Salutations. Uh, today we're jumping into Romans chapter number two, Romans chapter number two. But I don't know if you've ever noticed uh, in our world today, but there is a lot of condemnation, especially of Christians uh, who can tend to be judgmental. One of the favorite Bible verses from the lost world right now would be Matthew 7 verse 1, which says, judge not that you be not judged, right? And yet what I find is that in, in our world, in our society, we're all a bunch of hypocrites when, when, we, when we talk about not judging other people because to be honest, we all do it. In some way, some fashion, we're all guilty of unfairly judging other people. The world does it all the time. That's exactly what cancel culture is, right? It is a permanent punishment for a momentary infraction, which is unfair judgment. Um, or the world reads into the motives of Christians what they, they think must be in our heart because they don't understand our actions. You know, these are all forms of unfair judgment. And Paul begins Romans chapter 2 by addressing this problem. But if you remember, Romans chapter 1 laid the foundation of the universality of the depravity of man. Mankind is all condemned because they have all wandered away from God. They refuse to acknowledge him in God. They weren't thankful. God gave them over to a depraved mind, and they are full with sin. And the idea there, I, I use the term radical depravity, how sin has affected every aspect of our being as lost mankind. Chapter 2 picks up that theme. with what. Notice the very first word of the chapter is therefore. So, okay, because of what I've just said, therefore... Here's the, here's the response. You are inexcusable, oh man. You have no excuse, oh man. And I believe oh man here is being used in contrast to another phrase that we'll see throughout the book of Romans, and that is the word brethren. Paul is addressing the lost man in this passage. Those men who didn't glorify God, they weren't thankful, and God gave them over to a depraved mind. They are inexcusable, oh man. And he says, whosoever thou art that judgest. Now, if you remember, the book of Romans is dealing with Jew-Gentile relations. What, what happens to the Jews now that Christianity comes into play? How does the church get along with these two different groups of people involved in the church? And there was a strong tendency, as we'll see in Romans 15 for, and 14, for the Jews to judge the Gentiles and for the Gentiles to judge the Jews, right? He says, Wherefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. Now here's the reason why they are guilty. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. Now if you were to take all of the Bible's teaching on judging, the word judge just literally means to determine or to discern something. So judging in and of itself is not actually the problem because if you aren't discerning, you're, you're taking in error and you're, you're, uh, it's kind of like if you're, if you got food put up, put out in front of you and it's moldy and it's rotten and you just eat it, what's it going to do to you? It's going to make you sick. You've got to be discerning about what you eat, right? Okay. And so it's the same way with the Christian life. We are discerning about the influences of our lives, the things that we allow in our lives. And as Christians, when we see another brother in sin, we discern that that's sin. 
right? We know that that's sin because scripture tells us that that's sin. That's not wrong for us to determine, to discern, to judge in that sense, okay? There are other words that are used for judge, um, but the problem, the problem is that oftentimes when we judge as human beings, we do it in an unfair and an unbiblical way. And so to do it, we'd have to draw in a bigger study of all of the topics of judgment. Jesus said, judge righteous judgment, meaning we are to judge, but it's to be righteous in John chapter, I think it's six. Um, but there are many other passages that tell us how not to judge. That's the key. Now, the key in this text here is that we are told that we are, are condemned if we judge and do the same things. That's, that's the key to understanding this passage. Okay, but let's, go, let's continue on with the text. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth. Okay? And, and honestly, Romans chapter 2 outlines a whole, whole big section on how God says we are to judge properly. God judges according to truth. What that means is he doesn't judge according to appearances, right? He doesn't judge according to what he thinks about something. He finds out the truth of something. Um, he, so it's not a knee-jerk reaction. And neither should our judgment be a knee-jerk reaction. We should ask questions. And if you're not willing to ask the questions, then you have no right to do the judging because you are one of those people who are condemned at this point. Talk to people. Find out the truth. Investigate the truth. But God judges according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same again? Notice the hypocrisy here. That thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Okay, what he's boiling, boiling those two verses down to saying is this, is that if you are judging other people but doing the same thing, then God's going to judge you. How can you think that you're going to escape judgment? But know this, that even though you don't seem to be punished right now, that's not a sign that you're not going to be judged. Rather, it is God's goodness, his forbearance, and his long-suffering towards you. He is giving you a chance to repent. That's what his goodness is doing. But verse 5, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. There is coming a day when your sin will be judged. And then we notice in verse 6 another way that God judges. God judges, it says here, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Okay, So this is according to the actual things that they have done. Not what we think they have done. Again, going back to according to truth but according to what actually has happened. Okay? To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, here's the, here's the result. They will receive eternal life. Okay? But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, their result is indignation, wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. Notice that repeated phrase, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. Paul is trying to emphasize the universality of this problem. We are all guilty before God. And if we judge one another unjustly, it doesn't matter if I'm a Jew or a Gentile, I'm not received before God. I will stand in the judgment as a lost man who has not been forgiven of my sins. I will be judged for my sin. And the end result is indignation, wrath, tribulation, anguish, okay? 
But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Then here's another, another description of God's judgment. For there is no respect of persons with God. God doesn't show favoritism. He isn't lenient to one group of people and then harsh on another group of people arbitrarily. He isn't, he isn't like, hey, you're my friend. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be good to you. So he's not saying to the Jews, because you've been my people for these thousands of years, I'm going to give you a pass in all this. That's not going to happen. God is not a respect of persons. So when we weigh, we discern right and wrong. We cannot allow our feelings towards somebody and the closeness of our relationship to manipulate and change what we believe is right. If, if somebody we love does something that's wrong, we need to say it's wrong. You know, it doesn't change the fact that it was wrong just because we love that person or because they're close to us. And then verse 12, for as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Now, what, what Paul's saying here is as many as have sinned without the law, he's referring to the Gentiles. The Gentiles do not have the Mosaic law. That's the law that's being referred to in this text. As many as have sinned without the law shall perish. Notice they still perish without the law. He'll explain that in a bit. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. So Jew and Gentile, they will both be judged. And we're going to stop there for today. But here's, here's the application, okay? I think as, as a Christian, this text is directly addressed to lost men, I believe. But as a Christian... I ought to be very, very careful about coming down harshly and unfairly on other people, especially if it's an area that I struggle with myself. That's the whole takeaway here. Thou that doest the same, right? <laughs> How can we feel justified to judge other people for the same things that we commit? And that's not always easy because we know right and wrong when we see it in other people, but we sometimes don't always see it in ourselves. But we need to be careful and we need to be loving and we need to be merciful. I think mercy is oftentimes missing in our society and that's Christian and non-Christian alike. We have, a we have a problem with this and we overreact, we get bitter and we write people off over stupid stuff. And that's not the heart of Christ. So let's, let's judge, but let's do it righteously, not in an unrighteous, unfair manner. Have a great day. God bless.